Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. <laughs> This is the Fizzle Show, broadcasting live to you wherever you are. Being an entrepreneur, entrepreneurship is very challenge. Many people find it difficult. I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't know what this is. I don't know what it is. I apologize. Oh. What's up, everyone out there? This is the Fizzle Show. I'm Chase Reeves. I'm joined. By Corbett Barr and Steph Crowder. And every week we do a show where we're just kind of like, we want to get into a real topic for real entrepreneurs, right? So we have a huge community at Fizzle of people who are working nights, weekends, sometimes early mornings, sometimes lunch breaks, sometimes it's their full time gig to make something that they actually care about, right? And we've been doing this business for five years, Corbett and I. Um, and Steph for just about as long. And so it's, it's a lot. You learn a lot watching how other people build their businesses and how they try to do it. Because, because the thing is, it is actually, I'll be damned if it's not something that's going to require just about everything you have to give. Like at some point or another. Because you have to confront so much of yourself when you try to build a business. Because chances are you're building a business for yourself so that you can have more freedom in your life. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the rote answer that everybody's like, don't you want more freedom in your life to take time to do the things that matter most to you? Does that sound good or what? I think so too. That's right. But it's like, yeah, actually, to be honest, having more freedom in your life really is kind of like the, <laughs> the American dream, I guess. It really is the big thing. Because when you get to choose how you spend your days, what, how much time you get to, to, to be with your family in the morning before you start work, or, or maybe you're like the opposite. I want to go do work early in the morning and spend the whole afternoon and evening with my family or whatever. There's all these ways you can slice and dice your life. There's all these ways you can get freedom out of it. But that's just one little piece of, of the reasons why people are out there wanting to create a business that supports them doing something that they care about. And I mean, one of the big ones for me is just like, I want to do something I actually enjoy for a living. I don't mind working. I just want to enjoy it. I want to feel like it matters, right? I, I, th I heard about this book called, I don't know if Corbett, you've heard about this. It's called uh, Bullsh** Jobs. I should probably, I'll put a little <laughs> marker there so I get rid of it. I think it's called Bullsh** Jobs. Okay. I can write a chapter or two in that one. <laughs> <laughs> you just got, <laughs> I could write a chapter or two on that one, <laughs> but it's like, it's like jobs where, where dude get, it's like jobs where you're, you know, it's, you know what it's, it, it's like you, your, your work doesn't matter and you know it and you, you get done with it early, like 45 minutes and you're done for the day. And then you have to make it look like you're still working all day long. Otherwise, you'll get fired or this, that, and the other. To the point where, like, there, it's based, based on some research and some surveys or whatever. And one of the, one of the survey respondents that he talks about in there is like, is like this lady, this lady's like, I went to her supervisor and was like, listen, I'm getting my stuff done really early. Like, I've got like several hours in the day after what I get done. I need more. Can you give me some more work? And, and the supervisor was like, shh, don't, don't tell anybody. Just, just keep that to yourself. Just keep that to yourself and let things go just the way it is. And it's this like corporate culture that is, that is, uh, it's like taking a glass, it's like taking a bottle of water and pouring it into a glass and then pouring it back from the glass into the bottle of water again and again and again. It's like, it feels like life can feel like that. And this is a way that can, this is a way to make a human go insane. 
This is a way to make a human go insane. And the opposite of that is, is, is also a way to go insane where you care so much about something that you, that you're fighting to, to make it happen. Right. It's a, it's a different kind of insanity, but it, I like that kind of insanity more. And I happen to believe there's a way to build a business where you can, where you can have a balanced life and you can do it. Do it well. So today on the show, what we're talking about is we're talking about three separate questions that all kind of like, that are like, you know, they kind of like weave around each other. So we're going to get into some time management and some like, so, some like, how do you know if you're onto something good? I think that's a tantalizing question. All right. So before we get into that, Steph Crowder, how you doing? Say hi. Hey guys, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> every time that's it. every time <laughs> so good so oh. good Cor- corbett bar what's up with you i too am happy to be here oh well that works out perfectly it makes sense because it's nice to be together you guys okay so corbett talk us through the first let's get into the first question that we're getting into today yeah can we talk about squirrels for a little bit though squirrel <laughs> the squirrels in my neighborhood just go crazy this time of year you guys but uh, on to the show, Anya in the forums. Was that was that your was that your object lesson? Are you going to pull it back to that in a little bit? Uh, maybe you never know. I'm hopeful. Maybe I'm hopeful. <laughs> Anya in the forums uh, in our community wanted to know what can actually be accomplished in ten hours per week, and I love this question because I feel like you know we were talking before we got on the show about I recently had gigabit fiber installed to my home, which is an amazing experience. But when you have gigabit fiber, you can easily develop pages and stuff that you forget for people around the world. They might not be so fun because they're sitting there on a two megabit DSL connection or something waiting for your masterpiece to load. And the same thing, I think, applies to building businesses. Sometimes on the Fizzle team or, you know, some people that we talk to, we can forget that a lot of us may have, you know, a full week, 40 or 50 hours to spend building our businesses. But the majority, I'd say, of people are actually out there hustling, trying to fit their business into the cracks and crevices and gaps in their week. So Anya is asking, what can be accomplished in 10 hours a week? How do you manage your time to accomplish as much as possible if you only have 10 hours a week? Is it actually possible to go from zilch to a product in 10 hours a week? Or does it require more concerted effort? I want to have realistic expectations here. I'm asking because that's all the time I have for now. I work more than full time in a startup where I love my job. I fizzle on the weekends to the max and it's already causing strain with my family. So I can't do much more than what I'm already doing. Any tips on how to make progress with such limited time? Mm. So I, I think she kind of like uh, shared shared a little bit of her vision and her goal, right? She's like, can I go from zilch to product in 10 hours a week? So it sounds like the goal here is to have a product of some kind that's making actual revenue. Is that what you're hearing, Corbett? Yeah, absolutely. Just trying to get something off the ground, like to a point where it feels like it's a real business. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I guess, I mean, like what makes something a real business to you, Corbett? Uh, well, I can empathize with this quite a bit right now because even though I have, you know, I'm, I'm able to work on my own business, uh, full time, I'm actually running two projects at once. And I, I know we've talked about this on the show for a while, but I'm, you know, running Fizzle and then at the same time working on this, uh, community app called Palapa, which is sort of a, a cross between a forums and, uh, Slack. And 
at the end of the day, I, I probably have about two days, about, you know, maybe 16 working hours to spend on Palapa every week. And it can feel like an eternity to get things done sometimes. And, and so what I want, and I've been tantalizingly close to for quite a while now is to get customers on board that are paying actual revenue where you shift from building this thing in a vacuum trying to imagine what people want and need to having it in people's hands and then actually being able to build for someone. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the point to me at which, you know, it feels like spending 10 hours a week or whatever has actually resulted in something when you have people paying you for something and um, you're able to start making it better for those people. Yeah. You just, I think there's something really big in, in that distinction you made between, um, between, I don't know, whatever, whatever we were talking about before and then actually building it for people. Like, what would you call it? So like once it's out in, in the world and you're building it for people is one thing. What's the thing it is right now where it's not built for people yet? Yeah, that's a good question. It's, uh, it's just a hope and a dream, a wing mm. and a prayer, a wing and a prayer, yeah. uh, <laughs> short, short list and tall cotton. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I was reaching on that one. <laughs> but what it, I mean, cause you're, cause that's, an, that's an interesting thing. I think a lot of people are going to resonate with this. This, 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 there is a different energy that happens when you have customers. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot like pregnancy, right? It's, it, you can't imagine what it's going to be like when it's actually out there in the world. Uh, and you're doing all this work to incubate this idea. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. So it's like, you, you've got this thing that's incubating and you're like, so what is it for you? Is it, is it, um, like, I, I'm curious, like, what, what is it for you? What, what is, what is the difference between the incubation or what are you, what are you hoping or, or what have you experienced as a difference between well, it, incubation and then out in the world? And, you know, another like just, uh, rubber to the road kind of thing about this is, up until now or up until you have customers paying you something, you're investing all of this time and potentially money. In my case, I've been paying a developer for over 18 months now. Um, you are investing all this time and money without knowing if it's going to pay off. And mm -hmm. once it's out there in the world and people are paying you for it, at least your customers are now subsidizing some of the development, right? To make it better, which is, which is a great feeling. Uh, and, you know, in, in Anya's case, where she's asking this question, saying that spending this time on the weekends is already causing strain with her family, so she can't do much more than she's already doing. Mm, if you're yeah. able to finally show your family that, hey, look, like, you know, I, I put $100 in our bank account this month or whatever that first step is, at least, you know, that's some, some kind of results where you can sell the dream a little bit better to buy you more time. Yeah, no, that's big. So the, the, what you said there was, and I want the listener to listen to this, like this, this feeling of knowing it's going to pay off. That's, wow. I mean, yeah, that's what we want. It's like we can say we want a business, and we do. But what we want about that business is we want to know that it's going to work. Right, Steph? What do you hear in that? Yeah, I, I don't know. I take this from, uh, I want to add a different layer to this that might, it takes us in a different direction, but I, it's also really interesting. Let's I was just it. sitting over here thinking about, um, being in this position and how frustrating it can be. Like sometimes I've been in this position and all you can think of is how limited your time feels. And it's so easy to be like, 
oh, if I just had more than 10 hours a week, I could go so much faster. I think it's tempting to believe that you would go like incrementally faster if you had, you know, think about the progress you can make in 10 hours. Well, if I just multiply that by four for 40 hours, I could go four times faster. But what's really interesting is I think there's like a a problem of another color when you have a lot more time. I've coached people and you guys have as well who have a lot of time. And the crazy thing about that is it can be just as paralyzing. Uh, For example, I'm kind of used to having a lot on my calendar and every once in a while I get a day where it's just open. And sometimes those are the hardest days for me to figure out what to work on. I'm like, my kids in childcare, I've got eight hours and I'm just like, oh my God, do I do this? Do I do that? Which thing do I do? So I actually don't think this problem is of knowing what to work on is even as much about how much time you have as much as it's knowing, like Corbett was talking about, what things can you focus on that are are going to take you in the direction of having paying customers. So I think regardless of how much how much time you have, it's really about knowing which things you have to put first because when your time opens up, I have found it to be just as challenging if I'm not really really clear on what's going to move the needle forward. Otherwise, I just sit there debating all day long what I should be doing in the first place. Yeah. yeah right. I, right. I, so Go for it, Corbett. I totally agree. I think the the only the the biggest frustration for me, and I, and I agree. Like if I if I have an entire week to work on one project, I can find myself spinning my wheels sometimes. And, and <laughs> how much yeah. ne- how much Netflix happens in the, in the context right. of that? Yeah, for not, me, right? not much Netflix, but definitely like you know just zoning out, reading random websites, and then wondering where the day went. You know, yeah, yep. Um, yep. or YouTube rabbit hole or or whatever. So that is definitely possible. The the biggest frustration for me in having limited time to work on something is um, the context switching and getting back into the mm-hmm. groove. So if it's been, you know, the better part of a week and I have like one or two days this week to work on a project, that first day where I can get back into the other project, it just takes so much um planning and remembering like what was I working on and how do I get back into that flow again? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um Sometimes it's almost better, and maybe I'm talking to myself right now, but sometimes it's better to almost work a little bit each day on a project because you can remember more quickly what you were working on last night versus what you were working on a full week ago if if you're only doing weekends. So part of it, I think, um, is knowing what to work on, but then it's also about managing when you're working on this and and you know whether or not you need to just kind of keep um, keep the burner on every day just a little bit so that you don't get into that like deep hole of um, trying to get back up to speed again. Yeah. There, okay. Go for it. Let Steph. me just share one more thing. There's a concept that's in my mind right now that I don't think I've shared on the show before, but if, forgive me if I have, it's very irrelevant. Um, I heard this from Brooke Castillo, who's a brilliant uh, life coach. I heard her on Amy Porterfield's podcast. People who listen know I really like Amy Porterfield. She, she has a great podcast people should check out. And um, when she had Brooke on the show, they got to talking about how much time Amy sets aside to do something like recording modules for her course. And she was talking about how she'll give herself like three days to do it. And she wants it to be spacious and not feel rushed and all of this. And Brooke said, no, 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 you've got to actually potentially limit, like or purposely limit your time. Limiting your time can be a strategy. And she talked about this concept that she called B minus work. And I thought it was so powerful. And I've been thinking about it ever since. Sometimes on those days where I, my, t- my time is limited or I just am having a hard time like getting myself into gear, sometimes I'll ask myself, what would my B minus work be? 
right now because B minus work still has the possibility to change people's lives. And I've seen this be true. And I know you guys have as well, where a lot of times we hold ourselves to this standard of like, you know, it has to be the A plus 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 work. And how do I get that done in 10 hours? I hear like a hint of that in the question. So sometimes for me, feeling like my time is limited when I ask myself, what would like the B minus version of this thing that I have to do? Whether it's like recording a podcast or making a thing. And I cannot tell you how many times I've put something out there that felt so B minus to me. And then it comes back and people are like, oh my God, this was so great. And I think to myself, I can't believe I almost didn't publish that because it didn't feel good enough for me. So that has Mm. been a really useful tool is to ask myself, okay, I've only got an hour to knock something out. What would the B minus version be? And it actually ends up being pretty good on the other side. Okay, this is fascinating because what I'm okay. So here's some of the things I've heard you guys say. Um, Corbett talked about you know the difference between building something when it's an incubation mode and build and, and working on something when it's still an incubation mode, like like when you're pregnant, versus working on something when it's out in the world and actually has customers. There's definitely a different energy that comes from that. Um, there, we also talked about. The difference between, you know, and related to that, I guess this is, this is what was different about it is, is like before you've launched or actually had client interactions and customers and payment, payments for things. It's like, Oh God, is this going to work? I hope it's going to work. And then after it's out there and people have already started like having great experiences with it, purchasing, letting you know feedback and stuff like that. Now you know that it's working, right? So the different, the, the feeling of not knowing whether or not it's going to pay off is definitely tantalizing in this situation where you have only 10 hours a week to work or something like that, right? But um, like Steph said, there's this problem of another color when you have more time or too much time. And there's actually a strategy of intentionally limiting the amount of time you have to work on something um, to, to actually make that work even better. Now, this is actually an interesting time to bring up our next question, Corby, you feel okay with like talking about the next question and then we can kind of like do a little bit of, of both. And cause these two yeah. really tie together well with yeah, each they other. They do. And, and the third one does as well. I, I love the way these flow together this week. So the next question is from Victor again in the fizzle community. He wants to know, should I be multitasking? He says, I really want to get some sort of business running and generate income so I can leave my job right now. I'm working on building blog content to accumulate an audience, but I also love podcasts and video work and want to produce content in rich media. I really do love all three mediums, but I might be also spreading myself too thin. However, the reason why I think I should have multiple projects going is because one, I enjoy working on multiple things, can't focus on just one thing or do the same thing every day. Two, I want to eventually start a coaching practice and having content in all mediums is going to be helpful for my audience to really get to know me. And three, I love writing and it's easier to push content out, but I wonder if I should also start working on a coaching program or video course for me to sell as well as while I write. Hold on, will you read those one, two, and three really quick for me again? Yeah. He says he enjoys doing multiple things and can't focus on just one thing or do the same thing every day. Two, he eventually wants to start a coaching practice and having content in all mediums is going to be helpful for his audience to get to know him. And three, I love writing and it's easier to push content out, but I wonder if I should also start working on a coaching program or video course for me to sell as I write as well. Okay, interesting. Um, first of all, I'm hearing this first part of like the one I enjoy doing multiple things. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and like, and I don't want to do the same thing every day. Do you know what I mean? 
It's like we, we've got this built in. So it sounds like he's saying, should I be multitasking? Because number one, I want to be multitasking or like not multi I mean, multitasking is a very different thing. Multitasking is when you're working on multiple things at, at the same time, like like yeah. in this, like, like watching a movie while you write an email to a friend. Um, and apparently our brain like can't multitask sort of a weird thing uh like neuro neurologically you're actually all just flipping tasks and like corbett was talking about last time like in the in the previous question there's this thing called um context switching is that what it is corbett yeah yeah so context switching where talk to people about what you what you mean when you're when you're switching from one gear to another as it relates to multitasking yeah, and I think um, the studies show that women actually can multitask somewhat, and mm-hmm. and in general, men have a hard time nope, with it. Nope, don't you forget fluid, it, bro. Don't you forget it. <laughs> no, no, but keep your laws off my body. Future is female. The idea is uh, when when switching between projects, there's just this amount of time that it takes you to unload the things that were in your head while you were working on one project or one context, and then loading in the information that you need to be able to perform the next task or the next project. And if you switch back and forth between things a lot, you're spending a lot of time just loading and unloading this context into your brain as opposed to actually working on the task at hand. Yeah. So this is really, really well studied in the software space or well, at least anecdotally well, like, like spoken about a ton in creating software. Because imagine this, you're a coder and you sit down at the computer and you just, you have, you have a couple million lines of code to write for before this, before this piece of software can go out, right? You have, let's say, let's say 10,000 lines of code to write, which I don't know what, like, do you know, Corbett, the number of line, like lines or character? I don't know. How, how do you count code? Uh, yeah, lines of code is one way to do it, although lines can be of different lengths. So it's not always yeah. the most valuable way to do it. But yeah, that's something people look at. And, and the amount of, the, the number of lines of code it takes to make something like Facebook work or even Palapa the, the, or, or even WordPress and, and, and the, the stuff that we've built at Fizzle. It's, it's an unbelievable amount of code um, when you're thinking about it. And every coder who's building an actual thing, they just like they, they're they're kind of like, I don't know how many coders you people out there have worked with, but I've worked with like a handful. And, and there's just such a colorful, such a colorful group because it's like once you get into the chair, it is known by all serious software developers that like if you interrupt me, it has such a high price to the work. Do you know what I mean? To the work that this whole company is trying to do, right? And um, because of this con- this context flipping or context switching. So there's this thing our brain has to do when we're working on one task and then we go to work. On- we switch to go work on another one. Like Corbett's saying, we have to like load all the software into our brain that sets up the context for the work that we've got to do here. So anyways, that just sparks me from the first point. Like I enjoy doing multiple things. Now there's something here that I think is, is, is just really honest and, and pure and, um, and we all kind of, maybe, maybe all of us kind of feel that. And part of me definitely resonates with that. Part of me also resonates with like just being really good at one thing, like really just having a thing that I do really well. And honestly, what's interesting for me in this question is I don't feel like this person is asking the right question. I don't feel like the question is, should I work on multiple things as much as it, as it is um, re- the real question is related to what is 
what is the best what is the best thing right now for the the customer or the client or the consumer of the content you know what i mean and and does that make sense to you guys steph do you hear me when i say that yeah, I do for sure. I also, I mean, what I hear you say in that is he's looking at these, evaluating these three different mediums for essentially connecting with the customers, what you're getting at, right? Like that's the whole yeah. reason that we blog yeah. or podcast or have a video show is to make a, con- a genuine connection with someone who could become a customer. So that's that's the, the point. So I think it definitely makes sense to ask the question, how does that person want to connect with me? I think there's different preferences. You know, some people are, some audiences are, big into podcasts, others not so much. Some like to read, others watch YouTube. So I think it's really useful to um, to keep those things in mind. My mind went to a little bit of a different place in hearing the question. And you kind of reiterated the same part that I got stuck on, which is when he says, I really enjoy working on all of them. And probably no surprise coming from me, but I think especially in those early innings, I'm one who tends to encourage people to go where the enjoyment is for you as the, like you're forging a new frontier in your brand new business and you're in your new pursuits. Um, you may have to try a few different paths. You know, you're like, you're trying to strike your path through a forest and you realize that there's a dead end and you need to go back and try a different thing. So there is an element to me of try it all if that feels good. I think this is one of those things where everybody finds their way to what works for them a little bit differently. I've definitely known some people who, like you said, just got really good at one thing and that became their thing and that's all they ever did. And that's great. Um, And that works. But for other people, probably more like me, uh, we've talked about this on the show this past year. For me, I've tried like a hundred different things. And I think you get to a point, it's interesting that Victor says, uh, I really enjoy doing all the things. You'll probably get to a point where you don't enjoy doing all the things. And then you get to make a decision about what's working, where you're feeling that connection that you were getting at Chase. And you know, if, if there's things that you want to close down and go in a different direction, you have that option. But I think in the beginning, trying a bunch of stuff and seeing what sticks, I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as that feels energetically exciting and, um, I don't know, fun for the person who's at the helm of the business. Yeah. And it's really, it's really intention with how much you want one of these things to, to be working. So, you know what I mean? It's like up, up front in the beginning of the question, it's like, I really want to get some sort of business going so I can leave my job. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's intention with, I really like trying all these different things at some point. Right. And I love Steph. I love your perspective on this. Just like, okay, notice what you're enjoying right now. Invest in that. Right. So if you're liking learning about these different things, like I, I mean, I'm still, I have my friend Don, who's like this massive successful person. He was saying to me the other day, he was like, I can't wait to see what you're like when you actually figure out what you want to do. Chase. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, it's taking you so long. And I'm just so curious what it's going to be. You know, and I really resonate with that because m- a lot of my life is still like, and I leave and I leave behind me like, like you know, these kind of successful projects or these things that like a handful of people know about and respect, um, which is great. I've had people say to me like, when you fail, it still is a success. Like it, I would consider it a f- success a lot of the times, and I and, and so I, I'm hearing that. And what I'm looking at though is. Uh, is a dude just like exploring and experimenting and seeing, mm-hmm. well, do I want a podcast? Do I want a video? Do I want to write? Do I want, I'm not, and I'm still exploring all of those things. Right. And now I'm, a, I'm at this point where, so where this question, where it takes me 
is definitely in a in a, in a like personally in a different direction. Where whereas where it took you, Steph, was I think is exactly the right the right way of thinking about this because what you just said in you know go where the enjoyment is and pay attention to it and watch what you're enjoying about it is I think probably the best way to for a sustainable kind of success if you can afford to do so right now right mm-hmm. because it is a it is a kind of exploration a kind of play and i think if i can get you to to accidentally find yourself in a successful business be, like because you've been playing oh yeah. i think that business is going to get really successful over time do you know what i mean mm-hmm. if you are playing and it ha- and people are happen happen to be finding it and it happens to be helpful to people oh well then you're just like like this, there's, there's, I see, I see a lot of possibility for that. Do you know what I mean? I have, a, I have, I think there might be a bright future in that. Whereas if you, um, if you are like, I got to make this business and like everybody says, I got to pick one of these mediums and got to just do it. Right. And then, and it's like, okay, I picked one and I'm grinding away at it. And actually this relates to the next question, right? I picked one and I'm grinding away at it. And like, now I need to know, it's like, should I keep doing this? Because like, I don't know, it's been a long time, right? Um, Corbett, what do you have to say about this, this, uh, the multitasking thing? Like what comes up for you about this? Yeah. So I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you guys about, um, that exploration phase. I think all of us go through it. And I think if you try to suppress it too hard, um, you're just going to derail yourself later because you're always going to have these questions in the back of your mind like, well, maybe I should have been doing video or maybe I should have started a podcast or something. So it's totally natural and maybe even warranted to dabble in different things and kind of explore and see what feels right to you. However, if we just approach this from a different angle, which is, What's the optimum way to build a minimum viable audience that I can create a product or service for? I would say focusing on one channel is generally the way to go. If you think about most people we know who are successful, they got their start in one particular medium. You may know people now who are in all kinds of mediums and doing it very effectively, but don't judge someone else's middle to your beginning, right? The, the, um, if you think about, you know, me, for example, like I got traction with blogging, Steph got traction with podcasting, Chase with video. Uh, and then you can think about all the people that you know from other places and look back in their history and probably see that there was one area that they really focused on that they grew an audience around. And that's what they were able to eventually turn into a business. So, you know, I would, my preference would be, Sure, go ahead, play around, dabble, do whatever you want to do, but keep your eye out for the one thing that you think has the greatest chance of attracting the kind of customer that you want um, and that you feel you can dedicate yourself to for quite some time because these things do take often a year or more to develop into an audience that's big enough to, again, create a product or service for. Yeah, okay, that's a great point. And, and, um, What's what's interesting in in that is the sense of of like maybe what will end up happening in the end anyways is you'll end up picking one that'll just naturally be picked for you over time because right. that's the one that things pop for right and I think it's an interesting question that like that some people will really find vitality and life in Steph's response that like you should feel free to explore and other people will feel 
um, like that will feel that will feel like uh, like like letting someone off the leash for some people, and it'll feel like a kind of leash for other people. Where it's like, wait, I just want to know which one I should do because mm-hmm. I'm not interested in I'm not interested in any of them, right? They all feel like work to me. They all feel like work to me, right? And I think that's very interesting. I think that's like that that that's a real place where some people might land. And so it sounds like the question that person asking the question is really actually a media maker and enjoys publishing of some kind and of being a voice. And some people have a hard time doing that. So it, it, I'd be curious to hear what other people out there are hearing when they, when they think of that. That's, that's, I don't know. It's just an interesting, interesting like way that some of us might be different than others. Well, what do you think about going into the third question? And then we can kind of like, yeah, then we've got all three of these on the table. We can kind of jump in and out of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the um, final question from the community this past week was posted by Dave and Dave says, how do you know when you have something good? I've struggled since 2014 when I first learned that online business was a thing from Pat Flynn. I built a niche site because of Pat and I learned a lot about Google animals. <laughs> I think he's referring to Panda and, and the other um, SEO <laughs> yeah. changes that Google made. Uh, I then learned about Amazon FBA and selling products online. I tried that for three years, made over a hundred thousand in revenue each year, but not as much profit and then figured out that it was not what I was into. I owe a lot of money because of this business choice. Over the last five years, I've built other sites based on things I was into, but nothing stuck until now. Wetflyswing.com is my site that has been about my passion of fly fishing. I started a podcast because I listen, I love listening to podcasts. I set a goal and two years later, the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Podcast was born. I discovered early that I wasn't going to make much money on it but stayed with it because I really loved it. And now I have a show that interviews the biggest names in the world of fly fishing. How do I know I'm on the right track? This last week, one of my listeners emailed me and said he wanted to help me with the show, not for money, but because he loved the show. I talked to another of my listeners who is a head sports writer for ESPN and also listens to my show. He gave, he called to give me some tips on how to make the show better. And now I have sponsors on the show with the hope that they will soon be supporting half of my revenue goal to have a sustaining business online. This has all happened in the past year and I'm on episode 52 now. I had a goal to be fully online within five years and supporting my family. I won't meet this goal, but I'm on my way and closer to it than I was five years ago. So I'm good if it takes me another five years. I love what I'm doing and know that it will come in time. But how does Dave know if he is on to something good? Okay, this is fascinating. Um, first of all, I just, I mean, the, to me, the elephant in the room that's hard to get out of, away from is like, Dave, you've got multiple people reaching out to you trying to help your show be better. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like they're going, I love this show how can I help it be actually better? So that might be a, a that might be a something in your environment is going like, dude, there's something great here, and there's these there's other stuff here that should be fixed, right? Like that to me, this question is, how do I know when I'm onto something good? Those e- that email from the customer and and like getting like emails from e- a top ESPN writer or something like that is is like that's great, but more than anything else, the way he said, I'm loving what I'm doing. You know, I'm loving this. Anytime you've got an audience together, there's a chance to earn revenue from the thing. There's a chance. 
I don't know what kind of what kind of numbers this thing's putting up, but there's a, there's there's just a chance for there's obviously chance for growth. There's a chance for all sorts of stuff in there and products and advertising and and affiliate type stuff and training and courses and and you know doing your own trip, not even guiding your own trip, just putting together a trip that where you get to team up with a guide that you really love, and then you know a handful of people spend quite a bit of money some to go do this thing, and some of that money comes to you. Right. So there's like, there's revenue opportunities here that can, that can help, help with the, with the money thing. And so I don't, I don't know. You know what's hard for me in this question, Corbett is like, is it sounds like this. It sounds like this. I really love doing this thing. I'm getting some great results. I've tried for a really long time to get something that would work the way that this thing is working. And I'm just got to know, like, is it, is it good? Or like, is it like, should I keep doing this? I don't know. It sounds like I want to keep doing this, but should I keep doing this? I don't know what it is. What do you hear, Steph? Yeah, very similar to that. I was sitting here thinking like, where it brings me is, so the question is, how do you know you've got something good? I guess what comes to mind is define good because the fact that Dave is having fun, first of all, to me, that's good. Like, that's great. That's, that's good. And then he's got some traction in terms of people reaching out, people listening, all the benchmarks that we talked about. I think that's a sign that things are good. Then as I was thinking through this part of me thought, I wonder if what he's asking that I feel like I've asked myself many times and still ask myself, maybe you guys do too. Is he really asking like, could this be it? Like, is this forever? <laughs> like, well, is, yeah. this, is my, yeah. is my luck, is my luck going to run out? Right. Because that like I'm, I was thinking to myself, I wonder why he's asking the question because he's kind of adding up as he's writing the post. He's adding up all of the signs that he is onto something good. But so so I, what got me thinking it was why would he post this? And what that's what came to mind for me is is there a, a nuance of is this feels good, but is that can I hang my hat on this? Like is this going to be the thing that I get to keep keep doing, or is the other shoe going to drop? Is my luck going to run out? And I think at least for me in my experience, like running a business that is supporting me, I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel like that goes away. It hasn't for me. I, I you know, kind of try not to think about it for too long sometimes because you can't really predict the future. I think all you can really do is, and something that I've been really focused on lately is learning to trust myself, learning to trust my skills, learning to trust my ability to adapt and to navigate whatever challenges come up. Um, I was even thinking about this the other day, like how podcasting is still going strong, but I don't know, maybe people will stop listening to podcasts and then you just figure out what you do next. So I think there's an element of following those clues that it is working. And Dave, it certainly sounds like has those. So as long as you continue to kind of go where those breadcrumbs are, I don't know. I kind of think that's all you can really do and keep going in that direction. And also, you know, be measuring the things that you can measure, like, you know, is your listenership growing or is your revenue growing, et cetera. Um, but beyond that, I think it's all about following, following the, the clues that come up along the way. Interesting. So you're hearing, and I think that might be, that might be a good little intuition, Steph. Uh, it's certainly, it's certainly, I, I feel the same in my own experience, but this question around, like, I wonder, is, is this, is this it? Is this the future? Yeah. Is this where I'm going to hang my hat? And when you say that, is there a fear in that? 
Oh, I think so. I think especially if you're enjoying it. I, I know for me, you know, for years now working with you guys and then also running Courage and Clarity, it, sometimes it feels like it's all too good to be true. Like, you know, you have these moments where you're like, man, this is fun. And, and you kind of hear, I think I kind of hear that in Dave's question where it's like, I'm enjoying this. People are calling me like, is this real life? <laughs> and so sometimes yeah. when it feels like it's really good, I, I, this is kind of sad to say, but maybe we're, we're afraid to trust that. Um, you opened with this, Chase, talking about how crappy we've been taught. You know, I was always raised with the expression that work is a four-letter word for a reason. like So when that's been like the belief system that you've been raised with and then it's yeah. going well, you're kind of like, something is off. Like what this, this isn't safe. Um, so maybe there is an element of that there. I know there has been for me. By the way, that's the, that's the saying of work as a four letter word for a reason is the saying our entire Western culture was yes. built on, at least our, our country. You know, right. if it doesn't hurt, then it isn't good. Right. Exactly. And there's, there is some, there is some true stuff in, in parts of that. Or uh, if you're from yeah, my neck of the woods, the saying is, uh, the worst day fishing is better than the best day of work. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It's right. That's always been there too. That is always, and it sounds like Dave's going like, dude, I look at my days and I'm just fishing. Is this okay? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Doesn't yes. it sound like that? Yeah. And you know, I hear another kind of undertone in this, which is, am I going to be stuck at some ceiling uh, that uh. doesn't ever like fully support me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of a scary thing because there are real things at stake here. Dave has already spent five years working on different projects and none of them have panned out fully. And in fact, it sounds like maybe he has some debt because of his last business. Mm-hmm. So five years from now, you know, and I, I feel this being middle aged, like wondering, is this, there, there are real opportunity costs here, you know, and, and running a business is great and I have all the freedom in the world, but from a financial perspective, there are just some realities here. Like you have to plan for the future. You have to support your family. You have to, um, build a nest egg for retirement. And if you're stuck at a certain ceiling for a really long time, there are serious opportunity costs there because you could have been doing something else. You could have been either pursuing a different business opportunity or, um, you know, digging in yeah. on a career or something. And so yeah. Yeah. there's, it's, it's scary to wonder, okay, Dave says, I'm okay if this takes another five years, but there's still this big question mark for him because mm. he's not at the point where he's supporting himself. And I think when you get to that place where you're supporting yourself, then it's natural to worry that the rug might be pulled out from under you. But where Dave is right now, he's just worried about whether or not the rug is even going to be there. Yeah. And, and so, you know, uh, it's unfortunately with entrepreneurship, basically it's all a giant question mark about your market, about your ability. And with Dave, it's probably even a bigger question mark because a lot of us can look to whatever industry, quote unquote, we're in and see other people that are already successful and say to yourself, well, I could probably do that. But in Dave's case, with fly fishing, and we've used this as an example for a long time, I think partly because Dave was into fly fishing, but also just because it's such an interesting niche. Uh, the question is, are people, are there other people who are successful running a fly fishing podcast? And I would imagine Dave knows the answer to that already, which is probably not. And so there's a giant question mark for him. Yeah, that's big. And that reminds, it takes me right to what Steph was talking about with this, like, <clears throat> I don't think that goes away. 
uh, can't really predict the future. You can learn to trust yourself, your skills, your ability to adapt and navigate whatever comes up. Now, what that brings up for me is actually parkour. You ready for this? Um, <laughs> of course it does. Of course that's what it brings up. <laughs> all right. All right. So I know Kaylin Hunches is out there going, yes! Yes! <laughs> but... Um, here's the thing. Parkour is this, is this, uh, is a way of navigating your environment. And and the way I think about it is this, actually, I got, I got this, this, like, anyways, you're going a certain speed and there's a, there's a park table, there's a handrail, there's a set of stairs, there's a gap between, um, this, you know, this entryway and the grass on the other side. There's all this stuff. And parkour is like this commitment to keep going forward. Okay. No matter what comes in your way, you're going to keep going forward. Now, your decisions at any given moment, you can do a number of different things. Like I can roll over this table or I can put my hands down and pop right up onto it. And actually, the number of options I have with what to do with anything in my environment uh, is affected by how fast I'm going. Okay? So if you're moving really, really, really fast, you, you end up having just these split seconds to make decisions. Right. And, and you, and you might make mistakes. You might fall. You might hurt yourself. You might try to do, you know, put your hands on the rail and try to get over it, but then your foot catches on it and you just flip right over it and go down. Right. Uh, that's a lesson. <laughs> There's a big lesson. You were going too fast. You were going too fast there. Right. Or something like that. So the point I'm getting at is if you're going, imagine yourself walking, just like walking at a certain, at a certain pace or maybe just a light jog, whatever comes up or like in your environment, like you can move around it relatively simple. But if you're going really, 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 really fast and something comes in your environment, like you've got to do something a little more dramatic to get up and over it. The, the, the sense here is if you're, <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to pull this all together. <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to pull it together. I've tried so hard to pull this together. Keep going. It did, did bring up parkour. So the idea is what's going to come in my environment? I actually don't know for sure, for sure, for sure. Right. Um, but I can set my pace and I can experience like how I'm going. Uh, like, like what, what I've experienced so far. I can go like, okay, listen, we've been jogging like this, uh, at this pace roughly for the past four and a half, five, six, seven years or something like that. And remember there was that one time where the whole market crashed and we had to figure out what we were doing with our investments. And there was that one time where like, remember when we were starting and everything grew really fast. And then there was that other time where it like plateaued off. And then there was that other time where it was like, we tried to get it break through the plateau and do this thing. And almost any, almost nothing worked until that one thing. And then that, even that was just like a little bit of growth, but then we got into a new place and it was plateaued there for a while. And so you see like, at every step of the way, I actually had all the tools I needed to navigate my environment. Do you know what I mean? So there's something in that trusting, learning, learning, and this is something that probably Dave uh, and a lot of us like n- need encouragement towards, just learning like, dude, you got this. First of all, whatever comes up, you got this in a, ma- in a major way. And to what Corbett's saying, like, and, and I think for every entrepreneur, when Corbett said retirement, everybody was like, oh shit, that's right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, right. It's like, and let's be smart about this. Like get the spreadsheet out. Let's look at how we're doing. Let's, let's now project given that we, we've looked at the last five years of, of what we've learned. Now let's project going forward. And that in, in light of 
What's coming 30 years down the line? Down the line. Do you know what I mean? What's coming 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line? Um, so that, I mean, maybe the parkour thing doesn't connect. I don't know. But to me, it just is like, it's about how fast are you going and how much you trust your ability, how fast you're going. Let's, we can slow down, right? We can find ways to slow down in life or speed up. Some people need to speed up. And then, you know, how much you trust your ability to just get over the obstacles that are coming your way. Cause to do what we all know as entrepreneurs, what every entrepreneur knows is, is obstacles actually are coming. Entrepreneurship is the practice of like, of like obvious of taking in obstacles as they come, absorbing them, moving over them, moving with them, getting through them to the, to the thing you want on the other side of it. Right. And, and that thing you want is to like, I don't know what it's your vision. It's whatever you're trying to accomplish, right? So I don't know, Corbett. Did it? Did that make any sense at all? It made some sense, which is which is all you can hope for, especially when it's this guy talking. You know. <laughs> so <laughs> let me uh, let me just read a little extra part here from from Dave's post that that I didn't, but I think this is really instructive because. If you think about it, you know, Dave has gone through all of this that he talked about over the past five years. And, and there are, I'm sure are people listening to this who are like, yes, that is me exactly. Or, you know, I'm three years into it and I feel like I'm on your path, like that I'm just struggling to find something that's going to work. And I've tried all these different things and I want to find the thing that I can sink my teeth into and look back a year or two from now and see that I've made progress. And, you know, Dave is at this point where a lot of things have happened to him in the past year. He's got 52 episodes of this show. He's got people reaching out to him. He's got sponsors reaching out. And I think a lot of people would love to be there. And luckily in this post, Dave shared his takeaways in terms of what he's learned about getting to where he is right now. And this is great because we have, you know, we have tons of founder stories, interviews in side of uh, Fizzle in our video library where we interview people who are successful and usually we ask them what they would have done differently or what they've learned about being successful. But these are people who are a lot further along and it's just really interesting to hear where Dave's head at it is at right now given that he's kind of on the precipice of success or what he hopes is success. So his takeaways are, first of all, follow your passion even if you don't make money right away, stay consistent and plan and schedule ahead, network, meet people, and go to events. Be yourself in your podcast, your writing, etc. Let people help you. Find ways to extend your runway. Write back to every person who replies and ask your tribe what they want to hear more about. And finally, don't give up. That's good. That's good. I love those. Um, and I think, you know, these are all things that we've probably said at one point, but the thing that strikes me is networking, meeting people, going to events, like, and letting people help you. He's really talking about how this is much bigger than himself. There's a lot of things in here that are all about connecting with others and letting people in, asking your tribe, talking to people, replying to people, really just trying to plant seeds and make connections and make this whole thing, you know, because we, we talk about this is the whole point here is growing an audience or building a, a pool of potential customers big enough that you could sell something or attract sponsors. And a lot of times we just talk about the entrepreneur, you know, sitting there making the content or whatever, but 
if you're growing an audience, building something, then it really is not about you. It's about a tribe. It's about a little movement of sorts. And Dave is creating a place where people who love fly fishing, who want to learn about, who want to think about, who want to, um, you know, contribute to have a place now where they can all gather. And, and that's magic. Mm, love it. I love it. Steph, what are you, what are you hearing in, in this conversation around Dave that hasn't been said yet? I think we've covered a lot and I'm glad that Corbett added that last piece to the mix because this, it ties to my last little bit here is out of all the tips that Dave gave, I hear a lot of kind of settling in for the long game, you know, and I think Mm. maybe that sounds like a given or something that a lot of people say all the time, but it's really, really worth reminding yourself. Um, And I'm talking to myself too. I think all of us, especially if you're someone who likes to get the hang of stuff, like most of us are, it can really feel like you should be getting things faster or that, you know, there should be traction right away or that you should know right away where this thing is heading or you should know exactly on which date you'll be able to support yourself or whatever, some like arbitrary deadline. Um, But I hear in that little bit of wisdom that Dave shared, there's like a patience there. Or like we talked about trusting yourself, trusting your skills, trusting your ability to adapt. There's a lot of that in there. Trusting that there will be people along your path who are there to help you. Trusting that you will meet new people that can do stuff for your business and that can give you new opportunities. All, all of that trust is in there. And I think there's an element of allowing it to unfold. I know in our Amazon Prime world, there's a lot of like desire for instant gratification. And I don't know, the more I've allowed myself personally to just kind of like let go and not not try to control the pace so much good things tend to happen and i i hear a lot of that in what he shared Mm, i love that so uh and i do think you know back to the original question how do you know when you have something good really uh and steph you brought this up originally it's this sense of you know define good you Mm -hmm. know define what good is for you and i think you're bang on about about and Corbett was banging on about what he was saying as well, but the sense of I don't know, it's worth <laughs> just like it kind of does sound like Dave's settling in for a longer game at this point, and I think a lot of people um, don't know that that season comes at some point where it's like because there's all this work to just get the audience starting to form, right? Which which included in all of that is all the work it takes to get to get yourself learning how to make a damn podcast in the first place. Like I got to get a microphone and I got to start talking. I got to have, I got to book guests and I got to do all of this stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, and that takes a lot to learn. And then it's, to- and it's totally separate from actually getting the audience to pay attention and keep showing up week after week after week and then growing that thing. And then there's this sense of like, okay, so and Corbin, I think you're bang on in the, the way you kind of re, reinterpreted his question as like, is there a ceiling here that I'm going to hit? Is there a ceiling in this business? And, and Corbin, maybe in closing here, can you help Dave and, and anybody else out there who's wondering that? Like me, myself, I'm, I'm actually very curious in that for the stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. Well, what, what's, what's the ceiling here that I'm not thinking? What's the glass ceiling that I can't see right now? What is, what, what are the ways or that we can pay attention to or the questions that we can ask that uh, that help clue us into 
where potential ceilings might be for our business or which is really it's a it's not actually our business that has the ceiling it's the market that has the ceiling in my mind does anything come to mind for you yeah i mean we talk about niching down and and the question that comes up for a lot of people is how small is too small and are there enough people out there so that i can build a thriving business that supports me and my family and allows me to meet my both financial and lifestyle goals and Unfortunately, there's not a clear-cut answer here. I think that the best we can do is to look at uh, examples of other people who are successful either in this specific market or similar markets. We listen to stories about how people succeeded and the mileposts that they saw along the way, and then we look for similarities in our own journey to give us clues as to whether or not we're on the same path and to whether or not the things that we want to achieve are possible. And I think you have to keep looking. Uh, you don't have to do full existential soul searching every month because, as we know, that's exhausting and uh, can prevent you from making progress. But it is useful just to check in on a regular basis and say, how far do I feel like I should be? And uh, how much evidence do I have that I'm still on the right track and that what I want to achieve is possible? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, per, Dave, to, to you and your business, I mean, I just think you're, the market that you're in is actually like sort of outdoor stuff. I mean, it's it's fly fishing, but it's really it's this whole market of, of the outdoor world of people getting into nature. I don't think that's going anywhere. I, don't, I think that market is here to stay. And your little slice of it in, in the fly fishing has a ton of potential. And I'm wishing you all the best, man. And for all of you out there listening... The Fizzle team has to go get back to work now. <laughs> we got to go look at our own businesses and our own try to understand our own ceilings. And uh, on that point, just like Corbett's, Corbett's advice is just like we can all take that. We can all be looking at who's out there in a market like ours or something similar or or maybe someone we admire. Or I don't know. And and what are the things that they're doing? What are the pat? What are the moments that they had in their life? that led to you know the success that they have or whatever and, and if you need some place to look for those interviews by the way the, the founder stories inside of Fizzle are killer and you can always get into Fizzle for free at fizzle.co slash try five Corbett Steph thanks for joining us today thanks, thanks for guys. hosting Chase yeah you got it this is episode 291 dear listener if you want any of the links to the things that we mentioned if you want any of the links to the things we mentioned on the show, there are so many. Please just go to fizzleshow.co slash 291. This is episode 291 of The Fizzle Show. And this is where I leave you. Where I will say to thee, go on your merry way. Try to find the joy and the playfulness in the work that you do, even while you're considering the consequences and the opportunity costs of your actions. It's very hard to do. It's very challenging to do. Uh, but we're wishing you all the best, and we're always here for you when you need some uh, a shot in the arm of inspiration. Uh, find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. Bye-bye.